Just before embarking on a world tour in 1964, the Beatles were banned from Israel. The country who had been shaken up after a rather thrilling evening from singer Cliff Richards the year prior publicly appointed guardians of good taste and morality who refused to grant the lads from Liverpool entry into the country. The Beatles were deemed immoral and impolite, and letting them in would have ultimately had a negative effect on the country's youth, or at least that's the way the story goes. This ruling stood through 2008, ending when Paul McCartney played two shows in Tel Aviv. West Coast import Tyler the Creator suffered a similar, albeit less dramatic, series of events in 2015. The United Kingdom barred the rapper from entering the country after concerns over lyrical content on his first two releases, Bastard and Goblin. Then Prime Minister Theresa May banned Tyler from the country, supposedly due to the violent and homophobic nature of the performer's first two records. After her resignation, the ban was lifted in February of 2019. The controversial nature that laced Tyler Tyler's early work was nowhere to be found on Igor, his fifth studio album. Igor is a mature reflection on heartbreak and a sobering look inwards. It netted him a Grammy for Best Rap Album of 2020, countless Best Album of the Year nominations from the music press, and ultimately, Igor is an art school album. Are we still friends? My guest today, someone that I feel like I've known for a long time at this point, but someone that I don't really feel like I know at all. And I would hate to paint people into one word descriptions, but with my guest today, I feel like I have to do that. My guest is Michael Green, and Michael, I gotta be honest up top, I think you are a really weird human. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Highest compliments. Yeah, uh, is that is that a safe assessment to say yeah, you know yourself better than I know you? You oh, you're a weird dude. Yeah, 100 percent Uh accepted it, um, live by it. I love it when people call me weird. It's like uh uh, that outcast lyric, you know, I love when you stare at me, I dress so fresh, so clean. That's me. I love it when you stare at me. I am a weird dude. Give me the praises. Yes. I'll be honest. I don't know what your relationship is with me. I don't really know what you think of me all that much. I know you at least think of me well enough to to do an episode of this podcast, but I think I've known you for four years now. We've kind of uh, been adjacent to each other since our freshman years of college, but it took me a long time to figure you out because <laughs> you are who you are, uh, the Afro, uh, the colorful outfits, just there was a lot of things going on there. And I really took my time and studied you and tried to figure out like, what's this dude's deal? What is he trying to get out of life, essentially? I mean, I remember... Uh, you know, like I've been walking down the street with you and the concept of stranger danger is just not something that exists to you. Everybody <laughs> is your friend, even in the South Loop of Chicago. I don't live that life. I don't really understand what that's like, but I am happy to say probably around January or February. And yes, it did take me that long, but I was like, you know what? I really like this Michael Green guy. This dude, this is a good dude, and I, I, I really like when I run into him. And, and now I'm happy to have you here on the podcast. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, I've, we've seen each other in passing. We've had a couple classes together. I think we uh, we had survey together. Yes, uh, oh, the old, the old big lecture class with a bunch of nervous freshmen. <laughs> just willing to – just trying to make their mark and get all their jokes out there. <laughs> You put um, 80 kids that were the funniest kids in their high school in a room together and it becomes uh, like a prisoner of war experience for the teacher teaching that class. It's just everybody's going for it. Nobody has any fear. Everybody's just trying to get a laugh. Uh, yep. None of it was funny and we all came out better for it because I think we've all evolved as human beings ever since. Yes, absolutely. It, it was such a, it was such a necessary lesson to learn. Like, not every joke you tell will be funny. And that class brutalized it. Like just kind of bore it into your memory. Like, like you made a joke, nobody laughed and you're just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I just have to live with this. <laughs> just sit here in this class in the shame. <laughs> 
I remember yeah. my first class freshman year of college. It was a Comedy Foundations theater class, something that uh, was humiliating to say then and is humiliating to say now. But I remember walking in on my first day and my professor, this will mean something to Michael Green. It will mean something to a few of our listeners. But my professor was Rick Walker, who was a very, uh, despite having a background in improv comedy, is a very stern, very serious man. And I just remember Rick opening up class and beginning with, hey, um, we don't have to do bits here, you guys. Let's just have a active learning environment where we listen, but I'm not really interested in hearing your bits. And I know he was criticized for that at the time. I even then was like, this is good. I, I needed to hear this. And I think as time has gone on, that lesson has aged very well. So props to Rick Walker. The only time I've said that on this podcast. <laughs> the only time you would ever say it. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have any like huge issues with Rick, but he has certainly, I don't think he's come up on this podcast. And if he has, I'm sure it hasn't been the most positive thing to say, but I am at a very neutral level with, with uh, Rick Walker. Well, we're, we're, me, me neither, but you know, we're white and uh, we're male. So I think it works out for, Hey, Hey, all right. It works out for us. Okay. Don't, don't get mad at me. Cause the system is what it is. <laughs> that's, his, that's his target demographic right there. <laughs> I, I had a class with him too. And he was pretty much the same thing. He's like, yo, uh, we can do bits, but one or two. And then we have to get back to work. We have to get back to work. I am not afraid to cut you guys off on a long train of bits. Yeah. What a man. Well, Michael, I, that's you in Chicago. I really know nothing about you before you got here. So, I, like, I think you grew up in Washington State, but tell me a little bit about the childhood and in particular kind of frame it through the lens of maybe what music you grew up listening to, what music your parents had on in the house. What were some of your early experiences uh, with music as a whole, really? So you would be wrong about Washington. Oh man, that sucks. I was born in China and yeah, no, I'm not kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, lived there for a year. My parents moved to Washington, DC, stayed there for a little bit, moved to Michigan. And then around the fourth grade, we moved to Saudi Arabia and I stayed I was in Saudi from uh, fourth grade to about eighth grade and then did my high school abroad and then came to Chicago. So that's kind of the whole life story there. Um, in terms of music around hold the on, house. Hold on. Hold <laughs> on. What did you just say? Um, I, I heard in Saudi Arabia. Is this true? Yes. I would not, I would not bullshit you on a podcast here. No, seriously. Okay. That, I, I, I would love to see some photographic evidence of this at some point. Not, I, I, it would be a weird thing to lie about in particular, the Saudi Arabia aspect of it, but I, I do need some sort of proof. And that is, uh, that is a, I believe a passport that Michael Green is showing me that I'm going to say looks Saudi Arabian. So it's a, well, an American passport, but uh, the visa is from, is to Saudi. Okay. Well, I have questions that I wasn't prepared to ask now, but I need, <laughs> I need to know what this was like. Why did I not know about this? I really, I, here's the thing. Um, yes, I'm a weird guy, but I really don't like, talking about it too much i like getting people to know me for me and not just as that guy from like the the american from saudi arabia you know i i just when i when i meet people when i talk to people i want their first impression to be of me not where i came from because that's not i mean that is who i am but that shouldn't be the first thing that you really get an impression of me you know um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I certainly don't get major Saudi Arabian overtones from you, which is a positive. That, <laughs> that is a good thing that I, I am not getting a Saudi Arabia vibe from you. But I just I, this is, uh, you know, a, a dumb surface level question, but it is the Art School Albums podcast. And that is what yes. you get here. <laughs> I, just what what is the cultural difference from going from Saudi Arabia to Chicago? Um. <sighs> I mean, you know, uh, summers in Saudi, we would always come back to the States to visit family because, you know, we're out of school. 
Um, so we go and we'd visit the grandparents. So we'd spend our summers uh, uh, stateside. Um, in terms of the cultural differences, we lived on a compound. Uh, my dad works for an oil company. So the compound was full of um, families from around the globe, you know, um, a lot of uh, European countries, a lot of Asian countries, um, African countries, um, South America. So it was just like a huge melting pot of like 10,000 people from all around the world coming to work at this one company. So it was really just um, a mismatch, a uh, mismatch. That's not the right word. <laughs> a hodgepodge. A hodgepodge of people. A hodgepodge of people. Different cultures coming together, colliding, um, what have you. Um, but the school system there was an American curriculum. So I did learn American history, um, American literature, all that all that jazz. Well, that's, so, I mean, that's from- fascinating. I had no idea that – so – I, especially in terms of pop culture, how does that impact just what you grew up consuming? Um, uh, I get criticized a lot for not knowing SpongeBob memes. <laughs> <laughs> it is your biggest flaw, and I've known you for long enough to say now that your your lack of knowledge when it comes to SpongeBob memes it, it memes it is gravely concerning, Michael. <laughs> I'm I'm catching up. I'm catching up. Yeah, I'll be talking to some people, and they're like, "Did you ever watch this show as a kid?" I was like, "No, no." I had something similar, <laughs> something dubbed in <laughs> a Saudi Arabian show that was dubbed. Yeah, that uh, is that is fascinating. So music, I, you know, what what is that like growing up really outside of this country, but especially where you grew up? Um, but I really in terms of music, I, I've gotten most of my taste from my dad. He would always listen to Pink Floyd, The Beatles, uh, Fleetwood Mac, just classic rock, you know. And then from there on, uh, I discovered MTV in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and uh, on Sundays, they would put on uh, new hot music. Um, so I really, that's when I started getting into more pop-ish, like Bruno Mars and uh, remember that song Airplanes that came out? Uh, yes, Airplanes yeah, with B.O.B. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that was a good one there. Um, started playing the guitar and then started getting more into, you know, acoustical indie stuff. Um, but it wasn't really until high school that I discovered hip hop and my love for hip hop. And then from there, um, jazz, soul, funk, R&B, because um, those have such a strong connection to the hip hop community and they it's used a lot in samples and a lot of, you know, what, what, what have you, so. Yeah, it seems like in America, I think we've hit a point and I don't know when exactly this was, but like hip hop culture is a part of American society at this point. It's just ingrained in everything we do and we accept it and it's not new. And it is almost a default setting for pop music at some point. If you're going to have a top of the charts level pop song, you typically have your guest verse from insert rapper here involved. But Mm -hmm growing up outside of America, like when you discovered hip hop, was it this mind blowing experience? It was, um, it was Eminem. Actually. <laughs> so, so the answer is yes, it did blow my mind. Yes. Yes. Uh, not afraid. Actually. I listened to that song exclusively. Uh, and then I, you know, when, uh, uh, Katy Perry was coming out with, uh, California girls, the Snoop Dogg's verse just blew me away. I was like, man, this is so relaxing. It's got some California vibes This West coast, this West coast attitude. I'm loving this. And then from there I went on to Dr. Dre and NWA. I, I love nineties hip hop. That is, that is, you know, Wu-Tang, Biggie, Pac, Big L, Big Pun, uh, just outcast shit. There's so many good ones out there. Um, Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I think I, I think you answered it. Of just like, did hip hop blow your mind when you first yes. heard it? And you know, Outkast yes. blows my mind every day, and I listen to them on oh. a daily basis. They're they're second to none. They're incredible. So those were sort of your artists. It's also I like hearing this because I did not know this about you. Of one, uh, especially referencing Big L, Big Pun. You are now on my good side. Congratulations, <laughs> and. 
Also, it's nice to have like a real frame of reference of the pop songs that you mentioned of specifically Not Afraid, Airplanes, and California Girls. That is distinctly my fifth and sixth grade. And I know we're the same age. Like we're, we're in college at the same time. It's not this yep. weird parallel universe. It's just nice that those songs also resonated with other people. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Lady Gaga, too. That was a huge in what, fifth grade, I think? Around there, yeah, because it would have been 2009, 2010 when she really yeah. started to take over, and that was certainly uh, Lady Gaga's presentation and vibe went right over my head at the time, <laughs> wasn't prepared for just that societal shift that occurred, but I think we've all come out on the better and forward, and the same thing can be said, at least from my perspective, when it comes to the artist that we're talking about today, which is Tyler, the creator, Michael oh, yeah. Green. I did not know prior to asking you to do the show if you were a Tyler, the creator fan or not, but I knew you looked like one. And so I assumed it was a safe bet that you were. Can you please talk about your relationship with him? Oh man. Okay. I think it was, uh, my sophomore year of high school when I first heard Yonkers from, um, uh, Goblin. And that was really just like, Cause you know, I've heard hip hop songs and shit, but I've never heard a hip hop song so dark and just the, the beats he was making, you know, just the, the heavy hitting drums and the, the really brash synth, you know? Um, so that's when I really started getting into Tyler. And then uh, I was listening to Goblin. I was listening to Wolf, not so much bastard. Cause it was more of a mixtape and I couldn't really find it on iTunes. But... <laughs> Uh, but right around then cherry bomb came out and i absolutely love cherry bomb because um goblin and wolf are more so in his youth when he was more of just like a, i don't give a fuck about society i don't care about anything i i'm going to hate on the gays i'm going to hate on women and just say like all this awful shit to get attention and Cherry Bomb, I felt, was really an album where he started to, you know, make these more, these songs that were more beautiful, start singing more about, like, love and his his pain, um, started creating these beats that were, more, like, more lighthearted and, and just, um, I'm, I'm thinking of um, um, Fucking Young and uh, Perfect, uh, Slash Perfect off Cherry Bomb, when it's just, it's, you know, he's singing about this girl who he likes, but she's too young and he can't enter this relationship with her because of that. And it's just, it's this bittersweet um, beat that really attracted me to him. And of course we cannot talk about Tyler, the creator without mentioning odd future. I, Please, I you, you have the floor school me on odd future because I, I will give my Tyler history in just a minute. But other than reading about <laughs> odd future for this podcast, very unfamiliar with this group. But as I was reading, it seemed like they actually have this tremendous impact in popular culture that I was just completely unaware of. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Highly influential in skater culture. They were a lot of them were skaters, but um, you have this super group founded in like 2007 with Tyler, the creator, um, Earl sweatshirt, Frank ocean, Domo Genesis, Matt Martians, uh, a couple other people, um, who were just, you know, a bunch of skater kids online who like loved hip hop and loved skating. Um, they were considered the weird kids in school. So they came together to make the super group odd future Wolfgang, uh, kill them all. They put out a, a mixtape of their collectiveness then Tyler dropped his mixtape, Goblin. Frank Ocean dropped his track. Earl Sweatshirt took, dropped his track. All on Bandcamp, mind you. And it just took off. Because I, I don't, I don't, I wasn't a teenager in the early 2000s, you know. But <laughs> I think, I think there was the sentiment of, um, just you know, fuck everything. Um, nothing really matters. And that's what Odd Future brought to the table is just like, fuck the establishment. Um, fuck adults. We are children. We can do what we want, and no one can tell us any different. And I think um, going past that, a lot of them have really matured into their own artistry. Um, a lot of them have gone on to make some great fucking music. 
uh, especially Frank Ocean. I know there's not a single listener out there who doesn't know Frank Ocean's name and who probably is, isn't a fan of Frank Ocean, you know? With the exception of the person hosting the podcast, I would assume that everybody listing is a Frank Ocean fan. Here's the deal. I, I, we did an episode about the killer's hot fuss, and I was called homophobic for not liking Frank Ocean. That's not fair, and that's not correct. I have no issue with him personally. I just find his music to be incredibly boring, and I, it's, not, it's not his fault. It's just not a style of music that I enjoy, and... I have, I've never been grabbed by it. I understand he's important. I understand people love his work. I'm not a fan. It doesn't strike me as anything that I need to listen to. I, I, okay. I can respect that. I can respect that. I, just, I, I don't I, think he's actively probably. bad. It's just not, it's not for me. I don't like it. I, I just, I don't know. I, <laughs> until now, <laughs> I don't think I've met anyone over the age of 30 that doesn't like Frank Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> My shit, my seven year old cousin came up to me the other day or was calling me the other day and, and said, Michael, have you heard this song? And it was um it was thinking about you, thinking about you. And I was like, Yes, my cousin's learning good shit. <laughs> I'll have to reevaluate, I'll have to reexamine. Maybe in twenty twenty one Frank Ocean will strike me as this incredibly uh talented and influential artist but for now that has not occurred i do want to speak on this idea of odd future and tyler specifically mm-hmm. as like these anti-authority uh, rebellious young adults which is how i was introduced to tyler you referenced the song earlier yonkers that mm-hmm. was my first experience with him and i would have heard it in either seventh or eighth grade and i've said on this show before I didn't really have friends until I was about 16. Like I look back at my relationships prior to that in junior high school and even like early high school. And it was just all like lopsided, awful relationships where I was not necessarily being treated well. So in Mm -hmm. seventh and eighth grade, I was in a group of people that I, I look back at it now and they had all just matured much quicker than I did. Now, most of them in that group, and this is not necessarily an insult to them, most of, I think most of that group ended up in rehab at some point within uh, the last decade. So I played my cards right, okay? But that's not, that's not a slight on them. I hope they're doing well. But I just remember being in this group where the two artists that they really liked were these new artists, Mac Miller and Tyler, mm-hmm. the creator. And I have always said prior to Mac Miller's death, I had never listened to his music because I just associated kids in blue slide park sweatshirts being really, really mean to me. And it <laughs> didn't make me want to check out his music. I was like, this Mac Miller guy must be an awful human being. If this is what his listener base is, as it turns out, I actually like a lot of his stuff. I was just completely unfamiliar with it while he was here with us. But mm. Tyler, the creator, I remember hearing Yonkers and seeing the music video. Now, are you familiar with the Yonkers music video? Extremely well, yes. Yeah. Yes, this crazy black and white music video where Tyler is eating a a cockroach in it, and he throws the cockroach back up. And I just remember seeing that and thinking, this is terrifying. This This is not what I want in my life. This is not what I'm ready for in my life. This is moving too quickly for me. And it seemed like everyone else in this group had really attached themselves to this almost nihilistic, just this, I don't care about anything. I am young and I am rebellious and I'm trying to figure myself out. And you mentioned perhaps the lyrics that Tyler said in those first two albums that have not aged uh, well at all. They were controversial at the time. And, you know, a decade later, they certainly uh, do not fly with any sort of social scrutiny. But Mm -hmm. it's interesting for me that that Tyler has come out on the better end of that, that we have seen this full arc as an artist from essentially this angsty kid that just wanted to yell and scream and be heard to now this full-grown adult that has these really interesting things to say. But for the longest time in my mind, Tyler was the Yonkers guy, and it scared the shit out of me, quite honestly, because (laughs) it's just, that's a scary song from a scary person. I just, I, I was not ready for that. I look back at a lot of my time in high school as, like, I was really naive. Just, I existed... 
in my own universe and I didn't know the rampant drug use that was going on around me or the alcoholism that was rampant in my hometown or just whatever else was happening. Like I blinders until I graduated high school and then saw what these people would do immediately afterwards. And then I was like, Oh, these people don't seem healthy. Like this is not good. I just, I missed all of this somehow. And and I'm glad I did. I think it's okay. But I think if we're going to talk about the Tyler of old, which is that Yonkers Tyler, we need to compare him with the Tyler of the present, which is Tyler, the creator's Igor, which came out on May 17th, 2019. Michael Green, I have to ask you may of 2019 a different universe compared to what we're living in now. But what, what do you think you were doing at this time? I can tell you exactly what I was doing. It was, uh, we had just gotten out of school. Um, my birthday was five days after. And then you said the 27th, the 17th, the 17th. Yeah. So it was pretty much an early birthday present to myself that Tyler dropped Igor. Um, now, when he when he when he dropped it, um, I was I was sitting on the couch and I saw a tweet from him, and I I have the quote here actually. Let me pull it up. Uh, he said, "Igor, this is not bastard. This is not goblin. This is not wolf. This is not cherry bomb. This is not flower boy. This is Igor. Don't go into this expecting a rap album. Don't go into this expecting any album. Just go jump into it." Don't sit on your phone. Don't drive. Like, just just sit down and listen to it. And that is exactly what I did. I laid down in my bed, put on Igor over the speakers, and just lied there listening to all the themes, all the music, and just absolutely falling in love with this album. And that album was my entire summer. I, there wasn't a day gone by where I didn't listen to it uh, all the way through, front to back. That is a different experience than what I had with this album, which was that I had never heard it until this week. I do have to commend you. I was just about to read the note that you pulled up, but Michael Green, you did my job for me. So congratulations. (laughs) So that's bravo to you, my friend. So May 17th, 2019, this album comes out. It's 12 songs in 39 minutes. And Michael, if it's okay with you, let's just go top to bottom through this album. Let's just rip the bandaid off and go through it. Fucking do it. I got my notes right here. So... We get an instrumental theme, uh, an instrumental song to start with Igor's theme, but the album begins in earnest with Earthquake. Make my earthquake. Oh, make my earthquake. Riding around, you love me shaking me up and it's making my heart break. Make my earthquake. Just hearing what I knew, which was Yonkers, and that was the Tyler the Creator song that I knew, and that was it. I had seen this guy. I should I should say this real quickly. I had grown like a real appreciation for Tyler as a person in this time, uh, even before this, through seeing his interviews with Nardwar, the Human Serviette, oh, seeing no, no. <laughs> seeing. Uh, just what he had done with Loiter Squad and cultivating this entire brand around him. Tyler, the creator, also one of the best guests on the MTV show Ridiculousness. That is, he's one of the best yep. guests of all time. So I knew I liked this dude. I knew I wanted to be friends with Tyler, the creator. I just, his music still scared me. So hearing Yonkers and having that as my uh, base reference and then hearing Earthquake, Michael, it blew my mind. I was not expecting this sound at all. I'm glad. I'm really glad. You know, I I think it's interesting because that you went into this album just knowing Yonkers. Because in that time that he made Yonkers till now, there's been a steady progression towards um, better beats, not better, just more lighthearted themes and whatnot. And um, I mean, especially with Igor, you know, the lighthearted strings and synth mixed with the heavy and uh, drums and bass really just give this album a, a bittersweet feeling, which I think perfectly mixes in with the themes that he's trying to uh, come across. Um within this album. (laughs) Well, let's talk about those themes real quick. Big picture. What do you think Tyler's trying to get at within this record? 
So, have you seen the movie Call Me By Your Name? I have. Yes? Yes. I, I, I saw Call Me By Your Name freshman year. I went with former guest of the show, Jake Klingensmith, and oh, one of our it. roommates and his girlfriend at the time. I did not know what the movie was. I They were like, do you want to go see this thing? And I was like, I got nothing going on. I might as well. And then was shocked when I sat down and saw this movie. It was not what I was necessarily expecting, but I have mm-hmm. to say, good movie. I, I really think the themes, uh, the, the movie is Igor, pretty much. Um, so on his last album, Flower Boy, he came out, um, I can't remember if it was uh, bi or gay. I think it was gay. He came out as gay, which was like amazing, but at the same time, you literally, you know, <laughs> have bashed gays before on previous albums so this is kind of like a uh, coming out of nowhere like what this is amazing um but it's about i and to me it's about uh, a love triangle between this man that he loves um the man's girlfriend and him or i i should say this character of igor i uh throughout the throughout the album he's talking about this man. He's saying, I love you, you know, but you're bad for me. Um, I'm your puppet. You know, you're, you're kind of in control of my life. And this man is, you know, reciprocating love, not very well, kind of just, you know, just keeping him around for sex and pretty much nothing else. There's no love there. Um, But the man is deep in the closet and still has this relationship with this girl. And Tyler is, you know, there's feelings of jealousy, there's feelings of rage, there's feelings of loss. Um, and throughout the entire album, it's just sort of the story of Call Me By Your Name. And it's even referenced um, in the song, uh, I think, one of the lines is, man, I wish you would call me by your name because I'm sorry. Um, I think I think if you watch that movie and you listen to this album, you can really start to see the similarities between the two. Well, let's talk about, I think, because that is what comes next in the track listing. So Michael Green, once again, thank you for setting me up. This is, <laughs> I, I really like the way this album starts. I liked the intro. I think earthquake is an undeniably great pop song. I think it just oh, yeah. works on a number of levels. And, and I, I will say big picture wise, this is an album that doesn't, produce a style of music that I really love because as Tyler himself said, it's not a hip hop album. It's this R and B soulful, soulful pop album, which is fine, but it's not necessarily like, it's not what I would sit down and listen to ever. I don't know if I would ever put this album on by choice, but I do really like what I heard on this album. And I think is one of those strong points, not only for the lyrics that you just pointed out, but also the fact that Tyler, the creator is essentially asking for EA video games to produce a skate Four with yep. this song, Michael, I have to know your thoughts on EA skate franchise. I fucking love the skate franchise. Skate three bar none is the best skate. Um, they have, they need to release the next one. Where the fuck is it? What we've been asking for it for years. I thought it would come out with the Xbox one, but it hasn't. Uh, I am getting very angry right now. <laughs> Skate 3 is a decade old. That game came out in 2010. I mean, the world of skateboarding is just different. Like, it's it's an entirely different ecosystem now, and we've had nothing virtual to do with it. It's so oh, frustrating. Why not? There's ample opportunity. You know, they've made a snowboarding and skiing game in the meantime. Yes, I, I am, I'm not familiar with the skiing game. That I will have to check out. The snowboarding game is on my radar, and it is probably something that I will be indulging myself with over <laughs> the Christmas vacation because it has been on my radar for a long time. Skiing, on the other hand, not so sure that works in a video game, but I know what works, and that is the song, I think, which I, yes. I really, really enjoyed. Where do we stand here on track number two? On track number two, um... Let, let me let me go back to Igor's theme and Earthquake for just a brief second. Please. Um, I, th- I think Igor's theme is kind of the overture of the album, you know, just kind of like the, there's a lot of choice words in there, like Igor, uh, Puppet, um, I, I See in the Light. And it within Igor's theme, it's kind of just setting up the album, you know. Earthquake is 
I think the thesis statement of this album. It it's not about it's about the relationship, but it's about the overarching overarching uh you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> the overarching theme is that it the overarching theme yeah 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 um it's yeah most of the themes are within this uh, within earthquake i think is about the start of their relationship you know um i think i'm falling in love this time i think it's for real um how can i tell you how can i tell you um but within that within the same song you know it's hinted at that the partner and the person that he's falling in love with is uh, emotionally distant with him but still just a gorgeous song you know just i think i'm falling in love <laughs> so i think it's for real oh. the production on this album is really magnificent and i and i want to be sure to point that out that all of these songs sound tremendous the oh, the beats absolutely. the samples it, it drifts into I, I just recently talked about kanye west my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and I think Kanye is at his best, much like I think Jay-Z is at his best. And now, after listening to this, much like I think Tyler is at his best, when they're using these soulful samples and just really emoting on this record. And I think that is a, a level that Tyler, uh, I don't know if what Tyler is looking to go for can be accomplished with a more traditional hip-hop album. I just don't know if the genre permits the emotional gravitas that Igor ends up producing. I I'm glad mm -hmm. that he abandoned his beginning foundations and, and changed into something new. And I, and I think what follows and we'll, we'll lump these three together here with running out of time, new magic wand and a boy is a gun. Uh, what do you think about these three? Because while I don't necessarily think, the first two and running out of time and new magic wand are great songs. I think the production mm -hmm. makes them worthwhile listens. If that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I just want to point out that all songs were written, produced and arranged by Tyler. Which I mean, I think he, I think he did that in his previous albums, but it's just, it just, he's a composer. He's absolutely a composer. Um, in terms of running out of time, New Magic Wand and A Boy's a Gun. These are this is kind of going to, leaning towards the more darker part of the album. This is this is the point of the story where um, you know uh, run, with running out of time. It's not very clear why they're running out of time. I think until New Magic Wand, um, new, running out of time is the start of their of the decline of their relationship. Um, uh, he's running into some obstacles. One of them being that the the man he is in love with is in love with a woman, um, and his uh, the man he's in love with is actually hiding his sexuality to the world. Um, so I guess uh, he's running out of time to you know have this guy fall in love with him. Running out of time to make you love me. Um, he's doing everything in his power he can to make this man fall in love with him the same way that he loves this man um with new magic wand since he's running out of time this is this is a song with themes of jealousy you know at the very top it's a i saw a picture you look joyous my eyes are green i eat my veggies but that, i think the I, my eyes are green uh, i eat my veggies is more about um you know green with envy i gotta take her out the picture um she's standing in my frame um, she's ruining my frame. Um, and more, more towards the back end of the song, he tells this man, you got to make a choice. It's her or me. And if you don't choose either of us, I'll kill you both pretty much. Which, you know, is going back to old Tyler, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> that, that is the man that I know. That is the Tyler, the creator that I am familiar with. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think New Magic Wand, you know, is a, is a tool on Photoshop. And because of those picture themes right off the top, he's talking about, you know, editing her out of the picture, killing her, um, or him, I guess. <laughs> uh, like a uh, like magic, like magic, like magic, gone. You know, uh, new magic, new magic, new magic wand. Um, and then it transitions to uh, a boy is a gun, which he's starting to realize that the man he's in this relationship with is bad for him but is also good for him. You know, he's happier when he's with him. However, this man is bringing a lot of pain into his life. Um, thus the comparison to a gun, because a gun 
can harm, but it can also protect you. Yes, a, a, a staunch two-way argument from Michael Green here. The Second Amendment uh, being oh, defended oh, by oh. Michael Green. On this show. <laughs> Fuck guns! Oh god, I, I don't, but, I don't understand gun people. I was just talking to my roommate about this. Just, uh, I don't get it. I can't believe it's this hard to get rid of guns. It's, it's unbelievable. It, it really shouldn't be. Australia did it within a year. Like they, they were just like, people? oh, we're sick of people being shot. I know what we'll do. We'll get rid of the guns and it's a problem it's it's not mental illness it's a fucking gun like ah but on the bright side on the bright side a boy is a gun i will say is my favorite song on the album okay don't shoot me down you so motherfucking dangerous you so motherfucking dangerous you got me by my neck that's why these other niggas lame to us because all these other niggas lame as fuck we show them no respect I think it is so the the just the sound effects that are used, which at times is the sound of a gun. It is such a cinematic song, and I I just found it to be incredibly interesting and kind of plays into this duality of Tyler, the creator that I'm curious by of someone who was staunchly homophobic at one point, but as now, although there are certainly still speculations and rumors as to what his defined sexuality actually is, it appears that at the very least he's bisexual. Someone that was so loud and obnoxious for so, you know, for so long in his career but is is terribly introspective and and quiet on parts of this album, and I just think all of that comes together in "A Boy Is a Gun." And I just found it to be the real high point on the album. It is the one song that I think I will take away from this and consistently listen to. Again, like I said at the top, I don't know if this is an album that I necessarily want to revisit. Although up to this point, I have liked every song on this album. Now that will change, but up to this point. <laughs> I have liked every song on this album, and I think this is the high point. Unfortunately, we do dip a little bit with Puppet, which Michael Green, I found to be uh, annoying. I did not like this song. Could you could you perhaps defend it and sell me on it? Absolutely. This is the point in his relationship that <laughs> I will just jump right in. I will defend this song tooth and fucking nail. This, to me, is, I think... Um, sort of the, the 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 pinnacle of this album the really the the defining moment of this album it, it's he's realizing that you know he can't control himself around this person this person is not good for him he's being controlled by him and he needs to break it off he realizes that he is a puppet to this person the uh, the person being the puppet master and needs to cut the strings if you will break himself off from this person um kanye's on this track i don't know if you knew that kanye is on this track and i i think especially talking to you the idea of kanye and tyler the creator these two very performative people i will say people that seem to like being in the spotlight to some extent and i i think about that i think about you and i think about who else you love which is the man eric andre yeah i i'm just kind of curious i'll leave this a little bit open-ended but has has that sort of uh boisterous big performance almost performance art and i think a lot of what at least my experience with tyler the creator is you could almost chalk it up to some sort of performance art is that a big inspiration for you Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I as a as a kid, I was always talked over, <laughs> especially in high school. <laughs> but, I, but I found if I you know make make people laugh, then people will actually listen to what I'm saying. So yes, uh, it's it's definitely uh, uh, influenced me a tremendous amount. You know, I really, I think. You know, the more you put yourself out there, the more. Uh, uh, um, like you said in the at the very top, you know, talking to strangers and shit. The more you, you know, put yourself out there, put yourself in these situations, the more people will notice and 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 listen to what you have to say. And I think that's a brilliant way to go through life. Honestly, it, uh, I don't see. I I just I hate boring things. Yes, no, completely. <laughs> I, I will say Michael Green and I are in a class together this semester, and 
perhaps my favorite moment of Zoom school has been Michael Green sending me a DM one day going, I'm so excited. Borat 2 and the newest season of the Eric Andre show are out on the same weekend. It's <laughs> like, yes, that is on brand of Michael Green. So real quick, I'd, I'd like to know your thoughts on Borat 2 and your thoughts on the new season of the Eric Andre show. Uh, I think Borat 2 was... It was, it was good. It, it was wasn't, good. It wasn't what uh, it, it used to be. You know, I think... I think it's it's very hard to compare the two because one was more of a critique on Bush era politics and Bush era American ideals, and now coming into the end of the Trump era, um, count the votes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> count the votes, but also stop counting in some other parts, and uh, we'll figure it out. Rudy Giuliani's on it, guys. Don't worry. Giuliani's going to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, that man went downhill after 9-11. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like the, the beautiful thing of, like, Giuliani in particular is, and I this is not a defense of Trump by any means, because just a monster of a human, but every... Every ever so slightly one person of Trump's time, he'd be giving a press conference and you'd go, that sounds like a president. Good for him. Now, that would last like 30 seconds and then it would go off the rails completely. What I love about Giuliani is that he's never once been on the rails. Giuliani starts talking and it's all it's batshit insane from the first word. And I, I love it. I love that the fate of Trump's presidency is now in the hands of really Rudy, Rudy Giuliani's Rudy legal skills. <laughs> it's he, he, so entertaining. He, he just asked for a pardon too. Oh, and I, and, I mean, ugh, that's a whole, I mean, the, the Trump family is going to skirt by somehow and it's going to make oh. me sick to my stomach, but we get <laughs> Giuliani in court sweating his, his literal face off his oh just for men off. And as long as that continues and we're in no threat of them pulling some legal loophole out of their ass, I've been very entertained by it. No, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I have to laugh somehow. We are nine months into a pandemic, and if Rudy Giuliani is my source of entertainment, then that is my source of entertainment. Uh, I think your assessment of Borat 2 is very correct. Your thoughts on the new season of The Eric Andre Show? Oh, balls to the wall. <laughs> Fucking insane, and I loved every goddamn minute of it. It was uh, top to bottom, an amazing show. They ended it in such an amazing way. I don't think there's going to be a season six by any means. I think he's... I, I'm I'm very shocked that there was a season five. I was too. Um, I was very thankful there was a season five. I feel like they're like, hey, this is our last season. Let's go all the fuck out. And they absolutely did. They absolutely brought it. Um, one of my favorite uh, um, um, bits they have is Rapper Warrior Ninja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just straight up torture these guys for <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they're trying to freestyle. Oh, it's amazing. Well, yeah, no, yes, I, I, th th I, thank you for that. I, I am glad those delivered. I was thinking about you when I was watching Borat 2, and I think about you just whenever I see Eric Andre now. Uh, <laughs> it's a good good correlation there. I don't remember. Did you give your thoughts on the song Puppet or not? And if so, and if if not, rather, please defend it. I, I did, and I am pretty sure I convinced you to, that, it, that it was a good song. Um, oh. I don't know if you remember <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wait a minute. A puppet. I love this song. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Well, well, with that in mind, let, let's uh, slowly, I guess quickly rather, not slowly, it's, I wanted the opposite word. I, I want to run through the rest of this album. We'll double yes. up the last four songs here with What's Good and then Gone Gone and Thank You. Uh, Michael, what do you think about these two? Because I thought this was uh, much more in the style of the album that I preferred. I was into both of these songs. Well, I think, I think What's Good is... Um the most hip-hop song on this album yes this is very braggadocious it's very egotistical um but i also think it's one of those it's you know after a breakup um and you're like yeah you know i don't need them to to feel good about myself i'm amazing uh you know it's just it's those feelings of um you know fuck them uh i'm i'm good uh, i'm i'm good what's like a, good like a false confidence a false sense of security <laughs> Exactly, exactly. He's he's making himself feel better by lifting himself up and putting the man in the relationship down, you know. But in the same sense, you know, the the fake braggadocious egotistical is just to hide his pain that he's feeling after breaking up this person because he really did 
love him. But now he's, you know, feeling this pain and has to, has to mask it with, um, this what's good attitude, you know, like what's good, huh? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Were you good? You know, <laughs> um, gone, gone. Thank you. I think it's one of my favorites from the album because and gone, gone. Thank you. He's re he's reminiscing on all the good times that they had together while accepting the fact that his love's gone, you know, my love's gone, my love's gone. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, it works. It's not, it sounds just like I'm listening to the album. That's the great oh, part. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I can't help myself. I have to sing. Um, yeah, just he's reminiscing on the mistakes made in the relationship. And then in the second part of that song, and let, let me just give a little bit of a, a, a little tidbit here. In every single one of his albums, he has a song like this where it's one half is, you know, one song, and then the other half is kind of another song entirely. But they're the same track. And it's, it's fucking amazing that he does this every time because I, I just love the beat. I love beat changes in the middle of songs, you know, sicko mode. <laughs> That's not like what three? <laughs> Yo, single mode kind of built different. Like that song, that song unreal when you think about it. It is. I I, I agree with you. And, and Michael, I don't know if you're familiar with my ideology, which is that I typically think songs over five minutes long are completely unnecessary and unwarranted. I think once you go past the five minute mark, it's like guys, come on. I I got other stuff to do. Just make it another song if you have to. But. Uh, I I don't I don't want to talk about Queen because it's gonna upset people. It's not they're just I'm not into it. It's, they're they're fine. They're they're fine. I don't hate Queen, but am I putting them on? Absolutely not. But it, with with Gone Gone, thank you. It's a six minute song, but it's it's split up into two parts, and I think. Mm -hmm. It, it fits the entire tone of this album really well, and that's what I like so much of this, is not any particular song, not any particular sample, not even the overarching story. I love that within every track, I feel like he really hones in on this message and delivers by the end of this album a really thoughtful and provoking story and what i love is that the final two tracks i don't love you anymore and are we still friends really end the album not necessarily on a high note and that i think either of them are that great of a song but they fit the theme of the album mm -hmm. so well. That's and I, I'm so amazing. sick of listening to these albums that are great 11 songs through. And then the 12th song, the final track is just something different. And it throws me yeah. off. This feels like the appropriate end of the album. See, I'm heavy feelings for you. Yeah, yeah, it's no secret. You too cool for me. And I ain't trying to freeze up like the Johnsons. Nonsense, I will speak up and realize it's more fishing to see I'm a re-up. Bitch, I know my shit is bumping, it's a Zima So I won't walk around with my head down like I got beat up Um, you do you, I'll do me, I'll just chuck the piece up I ain't trying to keep up because I don't love you anymore Absolutely, 100% Um, with, with, uh, uh, I don't love you anymore He's just coming to terms with Yes, the, the relationship's over I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't love you anymore I know that you've treated me bad in the past Um and I've given you all of me that I could give you, and you reciprocated none of that. I just straight up, I don't love you anymore. You know, he's he's coming to terms with that. I mean, I think the title says it all. You know, I it really just uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> what, what, it's, it's exactly what, what it can is. I say? Like it's it, just it's so uh, just out there, and he's being uh -huh. so vulnerable, and it's not like he's leaving anything up uh, for imagination. Really, it's all yeah. out there, and it's all mm -hmm. in the words, and I. I, like I said at the top, it's not an album of a style of music that I particularly enjoy, but mm -hmm. I understand the greatness of this album. And I'm really glad that I sat down and listened to it because I, I think it just opened my mind to what Tyler, the creator is capable of what mm -hmm. his current sound is and the critical acclaim for this album, Michael, the eight out of 10 from pitchfork, the four out of five from Rolling Stone, yep. the a minus from consequences of sound and the complex best rap album of 2019 on top of 
the 2020 Grammy for Best Rap Album, it seems like the critics agree. And because you're a bit more of a long-term Tyler, the Creator fan, I'm curious, how have you seen his audience change from, you know, say, Goblin through Flower Boy and then Flower Boy to now? Obviously, it's gotten bigger because he's gotten more popular. But do you feel like the type of people that listen to Tyler, the Creator, are just different now? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I think his audience from Goblin to uh, Cherry Bomb was more of this like outcast type, and that's exactly who he was making albums for. Was the the kids who didn't really fit in, the kids who were just you know like fuck society, fuck everything, um, and the, he you know had these hard hitting beats, these hard lyrics of just, I, I will kill you, you know, I will rape you, I will do all this. And, you know, looking back, I don't really listen to a lot of old Tyler <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Shit, I've, I've uh, become more of an optimist here. <laughs> um, but that being said, you know, um, there was an interesting switch uh, in the middle of Cherry Bomb where he started, you know, coming into um, more of these kind of nice sounding beats these softer lyrics um and then when and i think that's what got a lot of people on board with him uh, not to mention features from uh kanye west and little wayne that doesn't, um, that doesn't hurt no definitely not definitely not <laughs> <laughs> um so i think i think more people started paying attention to him when cherry bomb dropped and then when flower boy came out you know that's that same the more people in the in who like more pop songs drifted over to tyler for have you listened to flower boy no i think that yeah. came out our first semester freshman <laughs> year yeah yep. i remember hearing about it constantly b people loving it but I, I i heard that he had changed his sound but i like couldn't comprehend uh, the guy that put out yonkers putting out an album called flower boy that didn't make a ton of sense to me and so i never checked it out I mean, the official title is called Scumfuck Flower Boy, but you won't see that on uh, Spotify. <laughs> that helps. That makes a lot more sense. Had I known that, had I known that, I would have given it a listen. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think Flower Boy was, a, particularly some songs um, like See You Again and Glitter um, were more pop. You know, he kind of, um, he, uh, uh, um, what's the fucking word I'm looking for? transitioned changed no, no more like a um um i don't want to say pandered uh, yeah pandered pandered is a good word he kind of was pandering more towards i mean he, he even said um about see you again he's like i just when i go to a, a concert i just want to hear all these white girls singing the hook of see you again <laughs> that, is, that is my goal as well uh, I, I hope to one day accomplish that more, more power to tyler the creator <laughs> So I think, yeah, he was definitely pandering to more of a, um, a wider audience in terms of the pop realm. And from that, uh, he made Igor and then, you know, Earthquake blew the fuck up. You know, that song was everywhere last summer. Um, I don't know about in your realm. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. I never heard it. It, it was a nice little song. I read that he initially wrote it for Justin Bieber and yep. or Rihanna and they didn't yep. want it. So it became his. Yep. And reading that, I was like, yeah, I can hear Beaver singing this. That makes sense. But uh, it's a Tower of the Creator song now, so more power to him. I don't I don't think I would like it very much if Beaver sang it. <laughs> we're we're at a real uh, teetering point with Justin Bieber where, you know, he obviously had the rise and then he had the downfall, which was not fair to him because he was an A-list celebrity teenager in the public spotlight. And I, and I think he just had too many bad influences around him and people weren't checking in on him. And now we've seen this return, but he's dangerously on the brink of becoming crazy Christianity guy who yeah. is like like teetering on on not quite Kanye levels of Christianity taking over his life, but it's really close. Okay, and I'm curious to see what the next year holds for him. I'll just say that. Yeah, well, I I, I don't think um, Justin Bieber will release a gospel album. I'll say that. Right <laughs> I, I don't know. I could see that this dude is really into Jesus right now. That's like his favorite thing. <laughs> uh, who's he married to again? Um. I, I couldn't tell you, um, I, but I wonder. If, I I I don't that, know. I honestly don't know. I I wonder if that had any effects because 
I don't know. I did. He didn't really strike me as the Jesus type two, three years ago. <laughs> now it's just this sudden switch after his marriage. So I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't know. Well, more power to Justin Bieber, more power yes. to Tyler, the creator, more power to Michael Green. And Michael, before we go, I am curious. We've talked about the narrative that is on Igor. We've talked about the critical acclaim. It's probably, you know, we've done some albums on the show where – not a lot of people have heard it and the goal is to expose them to new music i think of the listener base i am probably the only person listening to this episode that hasn't heard this album but let's play the hypothetical game and say michael green and i'll leave this purposefully open-ended who needs to hear igor and why shit i know this question was coming and i wasn't (laughs) (laughs) i think i think um people or just anyone who's been in a relationship needs to hear this album. Moreover, I think people who have been in a one-sided relationship need to listen to this album. Um, if you've ever loved someone, if you've ever been in love, fallen out of love, felt that pain, that loss, the joy of the memories, you need to listen to this album. Front to back, just don't do anything Maybe drive, <laughs> maybe drive and just put it on the car. It's a, it's a perfect road trip album. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm shit. <laughs> no, Michael Green, I think that answers the question well. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Before you go, what, what, what would you like to plug? Where can the people find you if they want to get in touch with you? So I am on Instagram at Michael Tricycle. Sound, spelled exactly how it sounds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't need to complicate that. It's self-explanatory. Very self-explanatory. And on Twitter, uh, at Mickey Mouse Drug House. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I had you on the show, Michael. That's uh, that's nice. Well, uh, you know, prior to the last 15 seconds, I really enjoyed this episode. So thank you, Michael Green, for coming on. I am on both Twitter and Instagram, at underscore K-Slow, C-A-S-E-L-W-E. The podcast itself can be found on Instagram at Art School Albums. Michael Green, thank you for joining me. This has been Tyler the Creator's Igor. Igor.